Hey there, future friends! This week, we have a few big releases coming out, but only one will give you something akin to Goosebumps. This is the week of July 2nd, 2021, and you are listening to episode 208 of Future Flicks with Billiam. Everyone, welcome to the show. That's right, we are back. We took a break last week, uh, a mental health week. It really was. A mental health break because Holly, a future friend of the show and former co-worker of mine, left and I had to get all the tears out. Okay, no, that's not really why. Not that you wouldn't be worth it. It was just a regular mental health week, but now we're back. We are back with a... Uh, you know, it's an episode a lot like the old ones. You remember when we had a bunch of movies back in the day before COVID killed the release schedule? Yes, this is a lot like this. Quite a few movies coming out, quite a few coming to streaming. So there are some you could watch right away uh, as soon as Friday hits. And I'm actually excited for a couple of them. But you know what? Enough dilly-dallying. Let me tell you what it is we do here, just in case you're new. And if you're new, welcome to the show. On the show, I do quite a few things. I talk about any new news and new movie trailers I've caught my eye since the last episode. After that, we talk about all of the movies coming out during the week, coming out to theaters or streaming, limited and nationwide. And they're broken up into two categories. The first category is limited release movies, those are any movies that aren't getting a wide release but also didn't catch my eye. The next segment is wide releases and interesting indies, and just like it sounds like, it's every nationwide release, and then all of the indies that did catch my eye. I always have a pick of the week, which means, hey, if you see one movie this week, I think this is the one worth seeing. And Remember, that's just my opinion. If you really like the idea of something else, hell, maybe you even heard something I talked about in the limited section and you're like, yeah, that's the movie for me. That's fine. This show is 100% based on my opinion. I might act like it's 100% the truth, but that's because it's my show and I fully understand you have your own opinion and I would always love to hear from you. Tell me what you want to watch. Tell me what excites you the most. Just communicate with me, and I'd be stoked. Well, let us jump right into the first segment, My Future Friends, which, as always, is the news. This just in from Hollywood, the news. My Future Friends, this first story comes to us from The Wrap. F9 is on track to top the last Fast and Furious film at the box office, but it soon will face a giant obstacle. And we all know that obstacle is a Marvel obstacle, Black Widow. So F9 is is doing really well. It's crushing all of the other post-COVID movies. And it's even doing well enough to come close to the fate of the Furious. And that's very impressive because the fate of the Furious came out when there was no COVID. 
The opening of this film was $10 million higher than Hobbs and Shaw, which was still a good film. Oh, I misread the article. So it's not on track to top the fate of the Furies. It's on track to top Hobbs and Shaw because they call that a fast film. I can read, I swear. In another Fast and Furious related story, this from Slash Film, we know that next year, Fast and Furious 10 will start uh, will start filming. It is rumored that Justin Lin will return as the director. Justin Lin worked on Fast and Furious 3 through 6, stepped away for a bit, and is now returning. I thought he had something to do with the other ones, um, but I don't see him listed as a producer. Maybe he was uh, he helped out some other way. But Justin Lin is returning, and Fast and Furious 10 and 11 will be filmed back-to-back. And Justin Lin said that we have not heard the end of Justice for Han, and... He calls F9, and he calls F9 a recalibration, saying that they brought back old characters and just fix things up after the disappointing release of The Fate of the Furious, which was disappointing compared to some of the other films in the box office, but was still a fun film. Will we see Gal Gadot come back? Will we see other people return? That is yet to be seen. I can see how they can bring Gal Gadot back. I just don't think they could ever bring Elena back, who died in 8. I think it was 8. In this next story from Variety, in an interview with Bill Maher, Quentin Tarantino said that he plans on retiring after one more film. He says, I've given it everything I have. Bill Maher responded saying that, you know, you're at the top of your game. You're too young to quit. And Tarantino says, that's why I want to quit. Because I know film history, and from here on, directors do not get better. My friends, this next story comes to us from Tech Radar. Dennis Villanueva's Dune has been pushed back one more time, this time to October 22nd. So not a not a whole lot of time, but still, come on. Really? And news from, well, a lot of places, but I saved this story from DW English. Um, Mel Brooks has turned 95. So good for him. And another story from Daily Mail. Uh, We now know that Chris Pine and Michelle Rodriguez have arrived on set for the upcoming Dungeons & Dragons movie. Uh, The cast so far, uh, Rodriguez and Pine, of course. Also, the Duke himself from Bridgerton. I thought his name was Rene Jean-Page, but it's R-E-G-E, and I'm not even going to pretend I know how to say that. So, that dude. And uh, Hugh Grant. Oh, and Jason Wong? Jason Wong, do I know that guy? And Justice Smith is in it as well. This has a March 3rd, 2023 tentative release date. In a story from Digital Spy, Lawrence Fishburne has not been invited back to reprise his role in the upcoming fourth Matrix movie. When asked about it by, well, Digital Spy, he says, I don't know. You'd have to ask Lana Wachowski why. This could mean he's still in it and they just haven't approached him yet as they're working out more details. Who knows? Well, my future friends, that's it for the news. Let us take a break as we hear word from our friends at the Somewhat Nerdy Podcast Network. Please stay tuned. Are you looking for a nerd podcast that touches on every walk of nerd culture? Well, look no further. Somewhat Nerdy Radio is the podcast for you. We cover nerd culture, news, new movie reviews, bad movie reviews, video games, comics, with sprinkles of nerdy nostalgia throughout. Somewhat Nerdy Radio is a flagship podcast of the Somewhat Nerdy Podcast Network. Find us on every podcast app or stream it on somewhatnerdy.com. Good journey, nerds.
All right, my future friends, welcome back. It is time for everyone's favorite segment, The Trailer Trove. Avast, and welcome to The Trailer Trove. First off in the trove, and we actually don't have a lot this week, we have the first trailer for Halloween Kills. That's right, the movie whose name I made fun of looks pretty goddamn good. The official premise is the saga of Michael Myers and Laurie Strode continues in the next thrilling chapter of the Halloween series. This is directed by David Gordon Green, who directed and produced the first one. And it has Jamie Lee Curtis, Judy Greer, and Andy Matichak returning from the first one, as well as Anthony Michael Hall playing Tommy Doyle. And apparently, and I did not know this, they did go to Paul Rudd first to reprise his role as Tommy Doyle, but he couldn't do it because he was, you know, doing doing Marvel stuff. So Anthony Michael Hall is taking up the mantle, and I am very excited for this. Um... I love the Halloween series. It's my favorite slasher series. And I at first didn't like the fact that they retconned everything. You've heard me talk about this before. I think they should have kept one and two. I don't mind that they retconned three through eight, but at least keep two because two makes Michael scary. While just keeping one didn't make him that scary. Well, guess what? (laughs) The uh, last Halloween film made him terrifying and Halloween kills. looks like it ups the body count. And this looks phenomenal. Set to come out this year on October 15th, 2021, assuming it doesn't get pushed back. So next up, we have the trailer for Sing 2. That's right. Sing from 2016, Illumination's musical comedy, animated, of course, is getting a sequel. This set to come out December 22nd, 2021. So this year... It's about Buster Moon and his friends must persuade a reclusive rock star, Clay Calloway, to join them for open the opening of a new show. This has quite the cast, and as always, I'm not sure it needs this many celebrities, but we have some of them returning, some of them new. Matthew McConaughey, Reese Witherspoon, Scarlett Johansson, Taron Egerton, Bobby Cannavale, Tori Kelly, Nick Kroll, Halsey Pharrell, Nick Offerman, Letitia Wright, Eric Andre, Chelsea Peretti, and Bono. And Bono himself is voicing the reclusive musical artist Clay Calloway. And I'm excited. I I am. I liked Sing. It was cute. It still had a lot more celebrities than I thought it needed, because you know my feelings on animated movies and celebrity, uh, celebrity voice actors. Why do that when you can have actual voice actors do it? Though at least with Sing, at least they chose actors who could sing, so that was a good that was a good thing there. But Sing 2 doesn't look half bad. I'm expecting more of what number one brought us, which means it's gonna be entertaining. So we have another trailer up next for the Suicide Squad. This is the third trailer. Uh, we're going to see at least one more, but I'm gonna give you the same warning I usually give when it comes to movies like this. If you really, really want to avoid not just big spoilers, but uh, avoid knowing too much going in, I would skip. I would stop watching these trailers now. I'd watch a first trailer, go, yeah, that looks great and stop. Uh, I am going to mention some things they have in the trailer, of course. So skip ahead a little bit if you don't want to hear it. But I really wish they didn't show Starro in the trailer. I thought it would have been so cool because in this trailer, we hear Amanda Waller say, that this is regarding something called Project Starfish. 
that's all the hint so many comic book nerds would have needed. Because let's face it, a giant sea star, a giant sea star would have meant nothing to most people. It just looks like some weird kaiju. And so it, we didn't need that. And it could have been a wonderful reveal, even if a lot of us nerds saw it coming because we're familiar with Starro as a bad guy for the Justice League. Even then, it would have been a great reveal. And I'm a little disappointed they showed it to us. But this trailer showed us a mix of new and old as any good second or third trailer does. But just be warned. Uh, just be warned that if if the first trailer sold it for you, I would just stop watching. I would just stop because you already know you want to watch it. So they don't have to prove it to you anymore. And I'm just excited for John Cena in this. I really am. I mean, John Cena is not going to be the next Rock. He's just not. The Rock is better than John Cena when it comes to acting. But John Cena, given the right roles, can be really good. And this is going to be one of those roles. This comes out August 6th, so f yeah. Next up in the trove, we have another trailer for Candyman. This is a quote-unquote spiritual sequel to the original movie written and produced by Jordan Peele, directed by Nia DaCosta. And yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, I do want to see this. It, lo it looks great. Um, the original Candyman scared the shit out of me as a kid, it, and my wife and I rewatched it four or five months ago, and it just didn't hold up. It just wasn't scary. You hardly saw Candyman. I think it took Candyman 2, Sins of the Flesh, to really up the ante and make him scary, but this one, I think, is going to do a good job. It looks like it's not going to be a something that's nothing but a gross slasher. It's just going to be a, it feels like it's going to be a true horror thriller. And the best part about this is that according to IMDb, Tony Todd is returning as Candyman. My future friends, this film comes out on August 27th. All right, friends, next up, another trailer where I'm going to tell you the same thing I said for the last one. Hey, if you're interested in this film, Maybe skip this one because it does show a lot more and I'm pretty sure it shows a scene from the final battle. So if you don't want to be spoiled for anything for Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, then you know what? Skip the latest trailer and guess what? Skip ahead a little bit if you don't want to hear what I have to say. So we everyone's been talking about it. We have seen the Abomination and well, who we assume is Wong fighting. And that's pretty cool. It doesn't even matter if the Abomination and Wong don't have a big part in this movie. It doesn't even matter if it's not Wong. Just seeing something else from another Marvel movie always just gives me a thrill. Remembering that we have this wide universe to work with. This movie is looking better and better. And Simu Liu just looks amazing as Shang-Chi. I cannot wait for September 3rd when this comes out. Next up, my friends, we have another trailer for Snake Eyes, and just watching it, there's nothing that's obviously a spoiler for something bigger later in the movie, so I think this one, the second trailer, is fine to watch. We just see more of Henry Golding being a true badass. Uh, we saw Ursula Combero as the Baroness. Uh, we already know Samara Weaving is playing Scarlet, though I don't think we see her unless that blonde woman was her. Yeah, we do see her in the trailer. I just blinked, I guess. Um, I I'm excited. I loved G.I. Joe. The two G.I. Joe movies I did previously weren't great, but they were fun. This one looks actually good. This one 
looks like a true action movie with some wonderful choreography in it. And it's a history of one of the franchise's most loved characters. In this movie, we know we have Snake Eyes, Storm Shadow, Scarlet, and the Baroness. Do we have anyone else? Time will tell. And we will find out on July 23rd when Snake Eyes comes out nationwide. Well, my friends, we've had a lot of awesome trailers, so let's just tone it down a bit and talk about the new trailer that dropped for Clifford the Big Red Dog coming out September 17th this year. This film is about a young girl's love for a tiny puppy named Clifford, and it makes the dog grow to an enormous size. And uh, this stars Darby Camp, who you'd know if you watched the Christmas Chronicles movie. Uh, she plays Emily. And Jack Whitehall, who plays Emily's uncle, I guess. Also has John Cleese and Tony Hale, David Allen Greer, Horatio Sands. But here's the question I'm asking. And if you're like me, when you were a kid, you read the Clifford the Big Red Dog books. You read them all. You may have also noticed that his size was always inconsistent. Sometimes he was a couple stories tall. Sometimes he was just as big of a, as a house. Sometimes he was smaller than a house. But he was always just big. But as far as I could tell, and as far as my Google Foo showed me, we never saw his origin. We never saw him as a puppy. He was always a big red dog. So I'm not sure if we even needed an origin for this. Like, this is a family comedy. This is a movie for kids. Do you really think a kid is going to go, oh, well, they didn't tell us how Clifford got so big, so f*** that. I am never watching this again. In fact, in fact, I am going to request my money back and write a strongly worded letter to the writers. No, they would never say that Um, Am I being too picky? Probably. Did we need a Clifford the Big Red Dog movie? No, we didn't. We did not. This looks 100% mediocre as best. Uh, the CG is is spotty at times, which of course could be fixed by the time the movie finally comes out. But as of right now, this is going to be a hard pass, unless you got kids who just really want to see it. And my future friends, the final trailer we're going to talk about is a perfect example of why I need to read more. It's called Jurassic World 3 Dominion, the teaser trailer. So yes, as of now, there's only a teaser trailer. If you see a full-length trailer out there, it, it's not. I saw two of them. The first one from Pokerex um, on YouTube. It's a fan-made trailer. It's not half bad. It really isn't half bad at all. But nope, not real. And then from Screen Culture actually did one. And uh, it also is not a full trailer. In fact, there's a lot of dead air in it. I'm thinking just to artificially bring it up to the past the two minute mark. The thing this teaser does tell us is if you see the new Fast and Furious movie in IMAX, you will see an extended preview. And uh, I just happened to find one on YouTube. Someone recorded it in the theater. So it's it's potato quality. And you know what? It's not worth it. Um, it unless you were already planning on scene, the Fast and Furious movie on IMAX, unless you're already planning on it, it's not worth it. And Jurassic World Dominion isn't coming out until June 10th next year. Well, that is it for the trailer trove. Let us take our next break as we hear word from our friends at the Watch Your Mouth podcast, and we'll be right back with the movie. So please stay tuned. There are several ways to raise money for a good cause. Some do it by running marathons. Some host high dollar dinners. 
And some just do it by clever internetting. We here at the Watch Your Mouth Podcast employ a different approach. Wall-to-wall filthy fucking language. Go to a grocery store, I'm like, I know exactly what I need. I get in there, I'm like, Yeah, the f*** did I even come here for? With our charity swear jar, every f***ed up utterance from our unfettered gobs is a dime in the right direction. The motherfucker's a mouth breather. Gaming, movies, life musings, it's all here. Served on a bed of f***s and garnished with a crown of... Shut the f*** up! How the f*** did we get here? F*** all that, f*** a jelly bean! So if you want to hear us do good things with bad words, check out the Watch Your Mouth podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Facebook, or online at wympodcast.com. And remember, swearing is caring, so watch your mouth. Welcome back to the show. It is time for the limited release section. And I still can't think of some intro or anything to that. It's just like, it's time for the movies. Oh, maybe something like that. Okay, stay tuned for that. But the first movie in the limited section actually comes out on the 30th. So I'm recording this on Tuesday. It's coming out on Wednesday. So by the time you... Uh, you hear this episode, it will have been out for a few days, but this movie is called Zola. It gets a limited release and it's about a stripper named Zola who embarks on a wild road trip to Florida. This stars Taylor Page from Ma Rainey's Black Bottom and Riley Keough from Mad Max Fury Road. So this movie seems a lot darker than this short premise makes it seem. And I'm just not down for that. It looks it looks like one of those movies that's dark and pointless, which um, yeah, I'm just going to skip. Next up, we have a film called A Dim Valley, also a limited release. Well, they're all limited. I mean, this is the lim- limited section, so <laughs> let's uh, just move on with that. A Dim Valley is about a curmudgeonly biologist and his stoner graduate students encounter a group of mysterious backpackers who disrupt their lives in beautiful and surprising ways. This stars Robert Longstreet from The Haunting of Hill House and Rachel McKeon from Jessica Jones. Uh, this movie did have a little bit of promise, but it, it just looks like one of those super purposefully obtuse indie comedies that I just thought I'd skip. Next up, we have The God Committee, limited and VOD for this one. An Oregon transplant committee has one hour to decide which of three patients deserves a life-saving heart. Seven years later, the committee members struggle with the consequences of that fateful decision. This stars Julia Stiles from Save the Last Dance, Kelsey Grammer from Frasier, Coleman Domingo from Fear the Walking Dead, Janine Garofalo from Mystery Men, and Dan Hedaya from Clueless. You may remember me talking about this show on the trailer trove a while back. It just looks... It doesn't look bad. And that's what I think is important to know about some of the movies in the limited section. It doesn't look bad, but there was nothing about the trailer that told me, go see this film. There was nothing that just grabbed me and goes, hey, this could be good. This is a good cast. Julie Stiles, Kelsey Grammer, Dan Hedaya, Janine Graffalo, Coleman Domingo. Good, 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 good. Uh, but it just looks like a one of those movies that is too try-hard when it comes to uh, medical drama and uh, just getting you in the heartstrings. What are they going to do next? Put a bomb in a body? Come on. Next up, we have Let Us In, a video-on-demand movie. Uh, This one actually almost made it into the wide releases and interesting indie section, but it I just kept questioning it, so it, it didn't make it. This is about a spirited girl who starts investigating the sudden disappearance of several missing teens in the small town they live in. Realizing there might be something deeper happening, Emily might be up against forces she can't even imagine. 
This stars Mackenzie Moss from The Unicorn and Tobin Bell, of all people, from Saw. Tobin Bell in another movie. This does look like an interesting film. It has this little girl. I'm not sure how I forgot how old she is, but she's not terribly little. Uh, but she's also not like a teenager. But we have this girl who's starting to investigate these disappearances and it leads her to this old guy named Tobin, named Tobin Bell. This old guy played by Tobin Bell, who was around the last time something like this happened and they work together to stop it. And the last movie in the limited section, a limited and VOD release, another one that almost made it into the wide releases section called First Date. After being conned into buying a shady 65 Chrysler, Mike's first date plans with the girl next door, Kelsey, implode as he finds himself targeted by criminals, cops, and a crazy cat lady. And you know what? I stand by this. Uh, cat people are crazy. Dog people are even crazier. Don't bring your non-service dog into a grocery store, and especially don't put it into a shopping cart. I'm just saying. Oddly enough, this movie gives me Cold Dog Soup vibes. Uh, if you remember that movie from 1990, it stars Randy Quaid. And it's about Randy Quaid, who's a taxi driver, who meets this guy who is tasked with burying his his girlfriend or no, his wife's mom's dog. And she wants it buried in Central Park, which is illegal. But uh, he takes the, the dog, gets into this car or this cab with Randy Quaid. He goes, oh, you know, we can actually do something with the dog. We can sell it. So it's about them spending this night together in New York trying to sell this dead dog. It's this very irreverent black indie comedy. And that's the vibes I get from this movie. I liked Cold Dog Soup. I might like this, but it's also a very, very risky movie. Well, my friends, that is it for the limited releases. As always, it didn't take us long to get through those since I try not to talk too much about them because I don't want the show to always be over an hour, right? So let's jump right into the wide releases and interesting indies, talk about maybe about four of them, and then we'll go on a break. So let's talk about the first documentary called The Phantom. Carlos de Luna was arrested in 1993, age 21, for the murder of Wanda Lopez and protested his innocence until his execution, declaring that it was another Carlos who committed the crime. This, of course, is a documentary, so it's a true story, and it it just seems like one of those documentaries that's going to make you very angry because from what I can tell from the trailer, he was innocent. There was another person who just kind of looks like him. And if people who knew Carlos de Luna said that this other Carlos kind of looked like him, then some white cops aren't going to be able to tell the difference. And there's a lot of shady stuff like the cops wouldn't even look into certain leads. And apparently it was believed that they knew who really committed the murder, but the, he was in a witness protect, not witness protection. He was a police informant. And so they wanted to protect him. So they just let this guy die. And you know what? Younger me would have went, oh, no, the cops would never do that. But with all the stories coming out and that have always been coming out about cops and stuff like this, I, I am more inclined to believe this. So an interesting documentary and one that will just make you angry. The Phantom gets a 6.5 out of 11. And please remember that all of my scores are based on it as a movie. This isn't based on Carlos DeLuna's story. This isn't based on if I believe him or not. This isn't based on anything like that. It's based on the film as a film. So next up in the wide releases section, we have one called Long Story Short. This is a VOD and limited release. 
This is about Teddy who wakes up the morning after his wedding to discover that every few minutes he's jumping forward to the next year in his life. This stars Rafe Spall from The Big Short, Zara Newman from Neighbors, Dina Kaplan from Dance Academy, the TV show, which is a thing, Josh Lawson from Mortal Kombat, and Ronnie Cheng from Crazy Rich Asians. So let's talk more about Josh Lawson. You may have remembered me talking about the news story about him getting hurt on the set of Mortal Kombat for carrying the whole fucking movie on his back. Yes, he played fan favorite Kano. So this is a very interesting idea. We we have those movies where we have uh, the repeating day. We have movies with time travel in it. And this reminds me a lot of Click in the sense that he keeps jumping forward. Because if you remember in Click, he keeps trying to alter his life using the remote control and eventually gets stuck on fast forward. This one, uh, it looks like it's... Because he was talking to someone in a graveyard, which is always a great idea. Do that. Talk to people in graveyards. Nothing could possibly go wrong. And uh, he's cursed to just live a year in his life every so often. And it looks like he marries this woman. Uh, they're in love. But eventually they divorce. Maybe because to her, when he's jumping in time, he's still there, but not really there, if you know what I mean. As in he's not being an attentive husband. And so they get divorced, and it's about him trying to save his marriage, get back with the woman he loves, and see if there's any way to go back in time. This does look interesting, though I may still skip it, because it has a lot of opportunity to be a very cringy movie. And if you know me, you know I hate cringe. I love Steve Carell as an actor. I could not stand his comedies, because they're very cringy, very awkward. And this looks like it could be one of those though I may always give it a shot later on. Long story short, it's a 5.5 out of 11. Next up, we have the second and final documentary. This is called Summer of Soul. This is coming out on Hulu and with a limited theatrical release, but I also heard it's a nationwide release, so I don't know if it's going to be limited for now, nationwide later, or if my one of my sources was wrong. I don't know, but this is called Summer of Soul, or When the Revolution Could Not Be Televised, is a feature documentary about the legendary 1969 Harlem Cultural Festival, which celebrated African-American music and culture and promoted black pride and unity. This is a documentary featuring interviews of, or footage of, and in IMDb order, Lin-Manuel Miranda, Chris Rock, Stevie Wonder, Nina Simone, Mahalia Jackson, B.B. King, Moms Mabley, Jesse Jackson, and Sly and the Family Stone, and more. Apparently, this went on around the same time as Woodstock. And what uh, the crime is, is I've never heard of this. Could it happen? Could it possibly be because it was a black music and cultural festival taking place in the 60s? Is that maybe why I haven't heard of it? Maybe it's because we're taught a very white-centric curriculum in school. Maybe a lot of these things have to do with it. But I'm very interested in this because I can't believe I've never heard of this. And this looks very interesting, and it promises to have some great music in it. Summer of Soul gets an 8 out of 11. Hi, I'm Lisa. And I'm Robbie. And we host a show called We're, We're Doing, Doing Fine. Fine. We're friends from across the ocean. I'm from Scotland. And I'm from California. Join us every week as we chat about biscuits. You mean cookies. Brexit. Whatever's going on here. Who knows? Almost dying. Why we're single. 
popular culture. And basically everything and anything that can distract us from this postmodern hellscape we're all living in. Because we're, we're doing, doing fine. Welcome back to the show. It is time for the final one, two, three, four, five, six movies in the wide release and interesting indie section. So let's start with one coming straight to Netflix on the 30th, actually. So this is another one that will have been released for a couple days by the time you listen to this. And that movie is called America, the Motion Picture. A chainsaw-wielding George Washington teams up with beer-loving Sam Adams to take down the Brits in a tongue-in-cheek riff on the American Revolution. This features the voices of Channing Tatum, Simon Pegg, Judy Greer, Bobby Moynihan, Olivia Munn, Amber Nash, Lucky Yates, Raul Max Trujillo, Killer Mike, Jason Manzukis, Will Forte, Kevin Gillespie, and Andy Samberg. So this is a better cast for an animated film. It's not just packed full of stars just to get the names in there. Some of these are already established voice actors. And some of them I get. I get why you would have in this movie George Washington being voiced by Channing Tatum. Because he's the beefy, stupid bro character. And even if you can't hear it in Channing Tatum's voice, Channing Tatum kind of embodies that Uh, not a slight against him personally I don't know what he's like as a person but based off his characters that's that's kind of the vibe he gives so this is pretty good for a vocal cast it's not just throwing like oh here's Scarlett Johansson nothing in Scarlett Johansson but she wouldn't bring anything to a movie where Judy Greer does voices Bobby Moynihan Jason Manzoukas Lucky Yates Amber Nash of course Wait, both Judy Greer and Amber Nash are on Archer. So there we go. My only question is Olivia Munn. I'm not sure what she does in the way of voice acting. Um, And I do feel bad. I do feel bad for not being a fan of hers because I don't think she's done anything. I I can't remember if if she's been uh, like done something that I really didn't like. She just kind of rubs me the wrong way. And so we're not even counting the... So I'm not even counting the latest kind of iffy stuff between her and John Mulaney where, uh, and my wife had to remind me exactly what went down, but without too many specifics, cause you know, it's not public record. John Mulaney filed for divorce from his wife and two days later came out saying that, Oh, Hey, I'm by the way, I've been dating Olivia Munn for a while. So that that's kind of iffy there. So America, the motion picture does look good. It gives me Archer vibes. Uh, that's the closest thing I, thing I can think of of currently well-known animated shows. Uh, And remember, this isn't one of those animated shows for kids. At least I don't think so. It looks pretty violent and it looks like they're swearing and alcohol and drug use. There is a Native American character. So a movie like this could be very blatant about the, the genocide of the Native population and use it as a dark comedy piece. And don't misunderstand, I'm not saying that's funny. I'm saying that they would use the darkest of comedy to bring, to to, to be a nudge or a, a wink, wink, nudge, nudge to the horrors that really happened in America back then. I say back then, like it ever really stopped, but there we go. America the Motion Picture looks funny, looks entertaining. Best of all, it's on Netflix, so you can watch it for free. America the Motion Picture gets a 7.5 out of 11. 
Next up, we have a movie called No Sudden Move. This is an HBO Max original coming out actually on the 1st, which is a really weird day. So coming out on Thursday instead of Friday. This is about a group of criminals who are brought together under mysterious circumstances and have to work together to uncover what's really going on when their simple job goes completely sideways. This stars Don Cheadle from Traitor, Benicio Del Toro from The Usual Suspects, David Harbour from Stranger Things, John Hamm from Tag, Amy Simons from Pet Cemetery, Brendan Fraser, that's right, from The Mummy, Kieran Culkin from Scott Pilgrim vs. The World, Noah Jupe from Ford vs. Ferrari, Julia Fox from Uncut Gems, Frankie Shaw from Smilf, Ray Liotta from Goodfellas, Bill Duke from Predator, and I'm guessing in a really small role, Matt Damon from The Talented Mr. Ripley. So what we have here is a basic crime movie. Uh, it doesn't look terrible at all. It looks it looks good. It looks like a solid crime film. But also it did nothing to make me go, oh, wow, I have to watch this one. This is the movie I should be excited for. I, I will watch it. I'll enjoy it probably. Might even own it, but it's not going to be one of those films that make me go, I have to stop everything and watch it right now, which is why it's not the pick of the week. It doesn't look bad at all, but it just looks familiar. It just looks really familiar. It gives me usual suspect vibes where we don't really know what's going on and we're going to learn what's going on as everyone in the movie learns. So no sudden move. Solid crime drama gets a 7 out of 11. All right, my future friends. Next up, we're going to talk about The Boss Baby Family Business. This is a nationwide release. The Templeton brothers have become adults and drifted away from each other, but a new boss baby with a cutting-edge approach is about to bring them together again and inspire a new family business. This features the voices of Alec Baldwin, James Marsden, Amy Sedaris, Ariana Greenblatt, Eva Longoria, Jimmy Kimmel, Lisa Kudrow, Jeff Goldblum, and James McGrath. And you know what? Not not a terrible cast, just because Alec Baldwin may not be a voice actor, but he does have a very, a, a very recognizable voice. And James Marsden actually has done more voice acting than I thought. I mean, he hasn't done a lot. His first was actually in Extreme Ghostbusters for one episode, uh, one episode of Robot Chicken, but a lot of people did that. I forgot he was in Cats and Dogs, uh, The Tale of Princess Kaguya. Uh, Wander Over Yonder, a few episodes of that, uh, Henchman, I guess, was a movie, and of course, the Boss Baby series, and he will be in the My Little Pony movie coming out later this year, I assume, since it's in post-production. But enough about the handsome James Marsden, uh, so this isn't a bad cast, uh, especially for an animated movie from a big studio. I am actually kind of impressed, uh, because at least the people who aren't avid voice actors at least have at least there's some good reason that they're in it still i'm not sure if i will ever watch this because fun fact i didn't even know there's this was the third movie because i didn't know there was a second i thought this was the second uh the first one seemed dumb but something that if i had a kid and they said hey dad i want to see this movie because that's totally how kids talk i would uh, i would say okay yeah let's go fine and it would probably be okay Uh, the kid would probably like it a lot more than me which guess what that's what kids movies are for so that's exactly what i'm gonna say to you skip this unless a you did see the first two maybe you went with a kid or maybe you're just like hey why not check this out 
and you did like it, if so, great. If you actually like this, let me know. Maybe you can convince me to see it. But otherwise, if you have kids, you want to take them out, you want to have a nice family night, this could be the film. But for the rest of us, there's other things to watch. The Boss Baby Family Business gets a 6.5 out of 11. All right, three films left, so let's talk about The Forever Purge. All the rules are broken as a sect of lawless marauders decide that the annual purge does not stop at daybreak and instead should never end. This stars Ana de la Reguera from Goliath, Josh Lucas from Ford vs. Ferrari, Will Patton from Armageddon, Cassidy Freeman from Smallville, Veronica Falcone from Queen of the South, Levin Rambin from The Hunger Games, Susie Abramit, I think, from Jessica Jones, and Alejandro Eda from Narcos, Mexico. Okay, let me pause and say that I think it's unfortunate timing that I chose last week for my mental health week because that's the week Fast and Furious 9 came out, F9 came out, and it's one of the movies I'm so stoked for. Uh, by the time you listen to this episode, I will have seen it already. I'll give my thoughts on the next episode. I won't do a full review. But I missed that one, but I make sure to catch Baby Boss, or Boss Baby. <laughs> I already forgot the title. <laughs> I made sure to catch Boss Baby, so good, good for me. But I do have something similar to say about The Purge, or The Forever Purge, and F9. The thing is, these are such big series that you know if this is something that you're going to watch. If you have never seen a Purge movie, guess what? Don't start with this one. Unless something about it really, really speaks to you, don't start with this film. Watch something else. Watch the others first. Just like with Fast and Furious 9, with F9. If you haven't seen the others, don't watch this. Easy peasy. I hear this quite often where people try to jump into the MCU or or watch a another movie series and they're like, oh, I've, I just watched this film. I have no idea what's going on. Why do you think that is? Hmm? Why, why do you think you have no idea what's going on? Because you have no f***ing clue because you didn't watch the other films. It is your fault. You should be ashamed. Go sit in the corner. I will bring you your dunce cap and it's just a used popcorn tub. That's all it is. I didn't even wipe it out. It's still greasy. So yes, did you watch the other Purge movies? Did you like the other Purge movies? Did you watch the trailer for the for the Forever Purge and it looks interesting? If you said yes to all three of these, then go see this. Why not? You know it's going to be a a good film to watch because it is reliable for you. If you have never seen them, if you stopped watching after the first or second, maybe skip this. Easy peasy lemon squeezy. I do want to watch this series. I have only seen one and two. So guess what? I'm not going to see this week. Not going to see this one. Eventually I will. And maybe I'll tell you about it. Who knows? But for now, I'm going to skip it. Though it does look interesting. So in that spirit, I will give the Forever Purge a seven out of 11. Oh, that didn't feel right. I changed the tone in which I said it, and it didn't feel right to me. I, I don't like that. It made me feel gross. I need to take a shower. No, I don't. Well, maybe I do, but not now. Instead, let's move on to the next film. Two movies left and only one pick of the week. And I'm going to give you a hint. All of the nationwide release movies and limited films are done. It's only streaming from for here on out. So the second to last movie and the final film that's not the pick of the week is The Tomorrow War on Amazon Prime. 
A family man is drafted to fight in a future war where the fate of humanity relies on his ability to confront the past. This stars Chris Pratt from Guardians of the Galaxy, Yvonne Strahovski from Chuck, J.K. Simmons from Whiplash, Betty Gilpin from Glow, Sam Richardson from Super Intelligence, Jasmine Matthews from Sweet Bitter, Edwin Hodge from the Purge series. Oh, hey, Purge, look at that. Ryan Kira Armstrong from Anne with an E, Keith Powers from Before I Fall, and Mary Lynn Rajskub. I always forget how to say her name. Mary Lynn Roskub, I'll say, from 24. So let's start off by talking about what a bullshit premise this is. A family man is drafted to fight in a future war where the, where the fate of humanity relies on his ability to confront the past. What the f*** does that mean? No, don't, don't at me. I get it. I get what it means. I get what they're trying to say. That somehow he has to overcome something that happened in his past to be a better soldier so he can fight this war and save the day. I get that. I just hate the purposefully, purposefully obtuse phrasing. I just hope the nomenclature for the film, you know, what they're going to name all the tech and alien stuff, I hope that is better than whoever put this premise together. And so if you never saw the trailers or didn't hear me talk about it, The Tomorrow War is about Chris Pratt. Yay, Chris Pratt. We like him, right? We Do we still like him? I forgot because he was he joined that weird church, right? And I forgot the deal. Was the church cultish or were they just very like anti-gay or something? They, they did something that wasn't great. And then Chris Pratt had to try and distance himself from it. It was weird. But guess what? This is not a political movie. This is a sci-fi war film. And Chris Pratt gets drafted by these soldiers who come from the future because they're running out of people to fight the war. And this movie could get so sloppy so convoluted that I'm scared. And the reason this wasn't the pick of the week, even though it's going to be a bigger, bigger budget, bigger, flashier movie than the actual pick of the week. What scared me is the fact that a, I'm just not that stoked for it. I I saw the trailer. Yeah, it looks fine. It looks fun. I probably will enjoy it, but there's so many questions. I already have that. If these questions aren't answered well, the movie could easily be crap because you know, just like I know, you have to be careful with time travel in movies. And I'm not talking about, oh, Marty, if you run into your old self, you could kill everyone. No, I'm not talking about shit like that. I'm talking about if it makes no fucking sense. And we could get deep about it, about the whole thing that you can't go back in time to save someone. Because if you go back in time to save someone, that person didn't die. So you never had to go back in time. So thus, you didn't go back in time to save the person. So they died. But you go back in time to save them, but they didn't die. So you never had to go back in time. You know, that kind of timey-wimey bullshit. So we could go on that level where it could be weird. But also, how does this work? How is this going to work with the people from the future coming to the past to try and fight this war? Because what if... What if someone else is fighting the war, their descendant gets brought forward to fight, and thus they die? Does that then, does that person then just disappear? I hope you're starting to see where my possible confusion and my concerns are coming into play. There's just way too much when it comes to the possibilities for this. 2013's About Time. They did it very well. They mapped out exactly what could go wrong. If you go back in time and you f*** 
with the wrong thing, everything changes. Like he goes back in time and I forgot what he changes, but he comes back in the future and his daughter is gone, replaced by a little boy because little things matter. This movie acknowledges it. They did it well. And Back to the Future has its issues, but it's still not bad. X-Men Days of Future Past, things that deal with time travel have to be careful because it could very easily not make sense. And I think there are too many ways where the Tomorrow War could not make sense, and thus it's a ridiculous mess. No matter how cool it looks, and please don't get me wrong, I think this movie looks really cool, but I still am not too stoked for it. And I'm still concerned. So that's why The Tomorrow War gets a 6 out of 11. All right, my friends, it is time for the pick of the week. And that movie is called Fear Street Part 1, 1994. This is a Netflix original movie about a circle of teenage friends accidentally encounter the ancient evil responsible for a series of brutal murders that have plagued the town for over 300 years. Welcome to Shadyside. This stars Maya Hawke from Stranger Things, Charlene Amoya from The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It, David W. Thompson from Gotham, Daryl Britt Gibson from Barry, Ashley Zuckerman from The Lost Symbol, the upcoming TV show. I don't know why I included her then, if what she's going to be known for best is a, is a TV show that hasn't uh, launched. Anyway, and Kiana Madeira, I think, from Trinkets, the TV show. I've never heard of it, but I was really grasping at straws on this one, on what any of them are from. And please remember, that's not a sign that a movie's, that I don't think a movie's going to be good because there's no one of note in it. It's just easier to go into a movie with confidence or to judge a movie confidently if you know more about the people in it. Because guess what? We could all go see a movie where we know no one in it, no big stars, super indie. We've never heard of any of these people, and we love it. And it could be one of our favorite movies. That is very possible. But enough backpedaling for me. Let's talk about this. Yes, I have mentioned this in the trailer trove when the trailer for all three movies came out. There's, there's going to be three parts here. Fear Street Part 1, 1994 comes out this week. Fear Street Part 2, 1978 comes out July 9th. And after that, Fear Street Part 3, 1666, comes out on July 16th. These are based off a series of novels, a huge series of novels by R.L. Stein, who brought us Goosebumps. And I'm not sure if these movies are based on actual, already existing Fear Street books, or if the writers, because, uh, R.L. Stein didn't write this. It's just based on his books. If the writers just went, you know what? Let's not f*** with these stories that were already written. Let's create our own and just have it revolve in this world, which is 100% fine. But I don't know which one it is. And I don't really think it matters because, because of this. I loved the Goosebumps books. I, I loved them. I had the first 40 at one point, And I wish I held on to them because I eventually sold them to my mom's friend, uh, to a family friend that she can give her nephew. And okay, it wasn't the worst decision because it just went to another kid who get to read them and enjoy them, uh, you know, pass reading on to the next generation kind of thing. But now as an adult, I, I kind of wish I still had them. It'd be really fun to read them again. But even though I really loved them, especially the Monster Blood trilogy, even though I loved them, if they made the Monster Blood trilogy into a series of movies, and they didn't do it right. 
I don't think I would know. So even if the Fear Street movies were based on some of the actual books, the good news is that unless you're an, a super fan for some reason, unless you're a super fan, you might not know. So this gives the writers a lot of free reign. But what really excites me is that each week for three weeks, we're getting a new one. This is just boom, boom, boom. I think this is a very, very smart idea from Netflix because they're giving us a trilogy event, they call it. They're giving us a movie where we have to wait one week. We get the next one, another week. There it is. And it's all complete. These movies are rated R. So they are going to be gory. They're going to be they're, they're going to be adult horror films. And it's rated R for strong, bloody violence, drug content, language, and some sexual content. So, so far, all signs are pointed to this being just a fun movie. And we have these kids that are starting to notice things are going weird in their city. And guess what? It has happened before. And not only are they going to look into it, but we're going to learn what has happened before. We're going to see it in the movie. We're going to see it go back to 1666. And I'm assuming that's where it all started. It's all going to wrap up. And I, I'm probably more excited for this than I should be. These movies, especially this one, looks fun. It looks enjoyable. And best of all, it's on a streaming service most of us, if not all of us listening to this show, already have. So what is there to lose besides one hour and 45 minutes of your life? And my friends, if you can't spare one hour and 45 minutes in a week, you probably need to reassess what you're doing because you need a little more free time than that. I will very much try to watch this this week. I will very much try because next week when it comes out, when part two comes out, I would like to have a different pick of the week unless there's not a lot to talk about that is. But that way I can at least say, hey, part one was good. Part two is good. Part three is going to be good. I can at least tell you my thoughts. So as of right now, the pick of the week is Fear Street Part 1, 1994. And it gets a 9 out of 11. All right, my future friends, thank you as always for tuning in. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, as always, if you have any questions, let me know. If I missed anything in the news and trailers, let me know. What movie would you watch this week? Tell me, hey, if you had to pick one of the movies that I watched, let me know what you would watch. Did you agree with my ratings? Was there something that you're totally on the opposite side of me from? I would love to hear from you. But for now, my friends, I will see you next week. And let's wrap this up with the closing housekeeping. You can find me on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, and any podcast app as well as the Somewhat Nerdy website. That is somewhatnerdy.com. I would really appreciate it if you take a few minutes out of your day to give the podcast a rating. I would love five stars, please. And also, share the podcast. Share with your friends. That is how we grow here on the show. And then how do you reach me? That is a great question. You can leave a comment for me on the Somewhat Nerdy website or Facebook page. You can leave a comment on SoundCloud. You can hit me up on Twitter or Instagram 
at BilliamSWN. You can email me at BilliamReviews at gmail.com. And please consider supporting the show on Patreon. You can find a link in the show notes and also on the Somewhat Nerdy site. Be sure to check out the other shows in the network, Somewhat Nerdy Radio and Nerds of the Squared Circle. Don't forget to support the friends of the show. You've heard their ads tonight. Please check out my personal blog, BilliamTheNerd.com. And then finally, my dear friends, my dear, dear listeners, my future friends, please remember that no matter where life takes you, no matter what your week has in store, just take some time to catch a flick. I'm Billion from Somewhat Nerdy signing off, and I'll see you in the future. <laughs>